It is good to be together, and I am excited to continue in our series uh, that we're looking at called Focus. And we're looking at the book of Proverbs, and I have loved this past week, uh, as a church, we've been reading the book of Proverbs. If you weren't here last week, uh, you might have missed this. We kicked off this series called Focus. We're looking at the book of Proverbs, as I said. And in the book of Proverbs, there are 31 chapters. And so what we're doing as a church over the month of June is we are reading a chapter a day. In fact, you can go online, go to soulcitychurch.com slash Proverbs, and every single morning in your inbox, uh, the chapter of the day will be there waiting for you to read before you start the day. And I, and I have loved reading along as a church in the book of Proverbs as we listen to godly, wise teaching from this book. Well, many of you know, many of you know that about a week and a half ago or so, uh, Jarrett had ACL surgery, uh, and he is doing very well. He's walking around. He's doing great. Uh, but obviously, he was not going to give the sermon tonight, and so he asked me if I'd be willing to give the sermon tonight, and he gave me very clear and specific instructions, okay? He said to me, Jeannie, you can preach on everything, anything that you want, not everything, on anything that you want to preach on so long as you can find it in Proverbs 8 through 14. Those are your only parameters. You have to preach on something between Proverbs 8 and 14. And so over the past couple of weeks, I have been reading Proverbs 8 through 14. I've read it multiple times, and I have actually noticed that there is a theme that runs throughout these chapters. You see, when, when I've been reading it, I've been noticing that God has actually taken a thread through these chapters, and it is very clear that he has something that he wants to communicate about wisdom to us through these chapters in the Proverbs. Now, a little bit of insight as to what happens to me when I am asked to write a sermon, okay? Usually what will happen is that I'll spend some time, I'll, I'll read the scriptures, I'll study the scriptures, um, I'll meditate on the scriptures. Then what I'll do is I'll do some research and I'll, I'll read some, you know, some other writings about the passage that I'm studying or I'll listen to some other sermons on it. And then I'll usually get to a point where I'll take my laptop and I will sit down in my comfy chair and I get ready to write the sermon. Now, it usually begins before I flip up the laptop, before I open it up, it usually begins with a prayer that goes something like this. Oh, dear God, just this once, Father, if you would just download for me word for word from heaven, exactly what it is that you want me to say to the people of Soul City Church. If you could just put it like in a file on my desktop, God, I don't know if you know about word, but word would work fine. I'll just open the document. And if you could even insert some jokes into that document that are funnier than jokes that Jarrett would give, I would greatly appreciate it. That's usually how the prayer goes. Now, never once in the history of me writing sermons has God ever done that in my life, okay? It's never happened. But usually what will happen is that as I sit down to prepare a sermon that I sense I need to bring to the people of our church, God will usually begin by saying, I would like to work the sermon out in you before you work the sermon out with the people of Soul City Church. And that's exactly what God has been doing in my own heart. 
this past week. God has been working this sermon in my own life as I work it out with you today. And I actually believe, I actually believe that what we're going to look at here today, most of us in this room, we're already pretty good at this. Most of us in this room, we are already pretty good at what it is that we're going to look at. In fact, in some way, shape, or form, most of us already do this in our lives on a regular basis. In fact, I want you to think for a moment. If someone were to come up to you tonight and say, hey, we haven't seen each other for a while. It's good to see you. I've been wanting to get together. In fact, I found out about this new restaurant. I'd love to take you there. And you guys, you choose a date, you choose a time, you figure out when you're going to go and do that, and you put it on your calendar. How many of you in this room, if you had never been to the restaurant before, would you choose to actually go and Google the restaurant before you go to the restaurant? How many of you actually go online and you look at the restaurant? Yeah, you probably look and you read its reviews, right? You look at its pictures, you read its menu, you want to prepare your stomach, right? Exactly. I do the exact same thing. You want to know if it's any good. You want to know what your experience is going to be like. So maybe it's not a movie. Maybe somebody were to come up to you tonight and they were to say to you, hey, it's so good to see you. You know, I've been wanting to get together. I'd love for us to go see this movie. I don't know if you heard about this movie that just came out, but I think you would love it. Now, perhaps they suggest a movie that you've never heard about. And so you decide, okay, I'll go see the movie with you, but I'm going to Google it, right? How many of you actually Google a movie before you go see it? Yeah, you want to know who's in the movie, what's it about, did it, any, did it get any good ratings? You know, is it a good movie that you're going to waste your money on to go see, right? Exactly. Well, this happens to me on a regular basis. In fact, Jarrett, he, he tends to follow movies. He always knows like what movies are coming out. I, on the other hand, do not. I, I very rarely like know the next big movie that's coming out. And so what will happen, this happens often in our family. He will come up to me and he'll say, babe, there's this awesome new movie that just came out and you, we've got to go see it. It's going to be so good. And he'll say, he'll say, you know, it's called Days of Future Past. And he'll say to me, he's like, honey, you're going to love it. Jennifer Lawrence is in it. You love her, right? You're going to love this movie, okay? So what happens is that I go and Google the movie, right? Days of Future Past. And what I find out when I Google this movie is that, yes, Jennifer Lawrence is in this movie, but she's blue in this movie. And not only that, the real title of the movie is X-Men, Days of Future Past, okay? He leaves a very important word out of the title to try to entice me to go see the movie. We go looking for feedback, don't we? We already go and look for reviews. We're interested in what other people think because we want to have a good experience, don't we? But I wonder... I wonder how many of us here actually go looking for feedback. We go looking for reviews on one of the most important topics. I wonder actually how many of us are willing to elicit feedback on perhaps the single most important area where we actually have responsibility. And that is with ourselves. That is with ourselves. You see, we're willing to find out if a restaurant is good. 
We're willing to find out if a hotel is worth staying at. We're, we're interested if a movie is worth seeing, but many of us never go looking for feedback on perhaps one of the most important things that we actually have the power to influence. And that's ourselves. That's ourselves. You see, I don't tend to want to go looking for feedback on me, on me. We don't tend to ask questions like, what's it like to be in relationship with me? We don't tend to ask that question very often in our relationships. We don't tend to ask the question, hey, what's it like to be my brother or to be my sister? What's it like to be my spouse? What's it like to be my parent or my friend? What's it like to be my son or my daughter? What's it like to work with me? What's it like to work for me? What's it like to be in relationship with me? I wonder how many of us would be willing to actually read a review, an honest review, of ourselves. I think that many of us, when it comes to viewing ourselves, we just sort of assume that the review is glowing, right? When it comes to our review, we just sort of assume it's like, of course, I mean, it's five stars, right? Lots of exclamation marks, lots of like smiley faces with hearts in the eyes, rainbows, unicorns, flowers, you name it, right? We just sort of picture our review as a glowing review. We sort of picture somebody writing our Yelp review as she's just, she's just such a wise and thoughtful person. I mean, she just exudes the right amount of confidence without coming across prideful, and she's got just the right amount of humility. I mean, people mistake her for Jesus all the time. <laughs> She's fashionable, but she's sort of thrifty. She's funny, but she doesn't draw attention to herself. She's like everyone's best friend. She never disappoints. She's just all around amazing. Friends, in my mind, that's my Yelp review. <laughs> and I think most of us, we wanna think that's what our review is. But I wonder how many of us are really willing to receive an honest review on ourselves. And today, that's the question that I want us to wrestle with. That's the question that I want us to dive into. What is it like to be in relationship with me? Now, I want to encourage you to grab your Bible. As I mentioned, we are in the book of Proverbs this month, and I want to encourage you to open up your Bible. You can turn to page 442. And this week, we're actually starting in chapter 8, and we're going to work our way through this week. So you're going to turn to page 442, and we're going to look through the Proverbs. We're going to look through a proverb, actually, in every single one of the chapters that we're going to be reading this week. And we're going to ask ourselves this question, what it's like to be in relationship with me. It's a wise way question. So we're going to start out in Proverbs 8, as I mentioned, page 442. And the writer of Proverbs, <clears throat> he says this, choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. 
Okay, so the writer of Proverbs says that instruction from God, wisdom and knowledge that comes into our lives, okay, instruction from God that sometimes even comes through his people, that getting that kind of honest feedback and wisdom, that it is more precious than silver or gold. That receiving wisdom, receiving feedback from another person will actually take us further than money and resources ever could take us. So you see someone saying to you, here's what it's like to be your spouse. Here's what it's like to be your friend. That that's more valuable than someone giving you silver or gold. And the reason it's more valuable is because what they're giving you is they are giving you the gift of a clear reflection. They are giving you the gift of honest feedback and a loving perspective to help you actually see you more clearly. Well, this thread continues as we move our way through Proverbs. We're going to move over to Proverbs 9 now. So turn to page 443. Again, see if you notice a theme. Proverbs 9, 9 says this, instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The Proverbs tell us that the wise actually go looking for more instruction. They go looking for more insight. They go looking for feedback so that they can add to their wisdom and their righteousness. Quick question for you. Do you actually go looking for wisdom? Do you go looking for instruction? Do you go looking for feedback so that you can add to the wisdom and the righteousness that is already within you? The theme continues. Let's move over to Proverbs 10, page 444. Proverbs 10, 17, it says this, whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. The passage passage says that the person who actually looks for discipline, the person that receives correction, that it doesn't detract from their life, it actually adds to their life. But the person that ignores it actually has the capacity to move others in an unhealthy direction. The theme continues. Move over to Proverbs 11, page 445. Proverbs 11:14 says this, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. So we're seeing how wisdom and insight and discipline and correction, what it adds to a person's life. Well, now we move along and we see what it adds to a nation. We see what it adds to a government. And we have all seen the ramifications of when a nation chooses to make decisions based on their own desires in instead of through wise counsel and guidance, haven't we? We've seen what happens in the destruction that can come when governments have literally crumbled under leadership that was unwilling to listen to feedback and direction. So it's not just in our personal lives. This is an an effect in leadership, in government. It continues on. Move on to Proverbs 12, page 445 still. Proverbs 12, 15 says this, that the way of fools, it seems right to them, but the wise, they listen to advice. 
Have you ever talked to somebody and they've made a decision, they've got you know, something out there in front of them and, and they've already made a decision and they, they're not even totally sure if it's the right decision, but when you're talking to them, they're so convincing that they're almost trying to convince themselves of the decision that they've just made. You ever find yourself in a conversation like that? You see, the fool, it says here in Proverbs 12, 15, they only follow their own intuition. The fool only follows their feelings, but the wise person opens themselves up to counsel. The wise person opens themselves up to advice. They know that they don't have all of the answers. They know that they don't have a completely clear and impartial perspective on themselves. And so they seek out feedback and they seek out advice. The theme continues. Move on to Proverbs 13.10, page 446. It says this, Proverbs 13.10, when there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Interesting twist here. This passage actually shows us that strife and difficulty, disagreements, defensive spirits, prideful attitudes, that those usually come at the hand of people that are unwilling to listen to counsel. That that's where those spirits come from. Somebody that's defensive, somebody that's always argumentative, somebody that's always prideful, somebody that is always moving into disagreement. It usually comes from a person that is unwilling to listen to wise counsel. Are you seeing a theme here? Are you seeing a pattern through these passages? Move on into Proverbs 14, the last one we're gonna look at here. Proverbs 14, six, page 447, it says this. The mocker, the mocker seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge comes easily to the discerning. Knowledge comes easily to the discerning. You see, the person, the person who just turns a blind eye to healthy feedback, the person that does not want to open themselves up to learning or to growth, they struggle when it comes to making a wise decision. When they have a decision out in front of them, they struggle over what is it that I am to do. But the person, the person that seeks out wisdom and knowledge in their life, they have an easy time making their decisions. Decisions tend to fall into place. And you can see that there's a theme in these passages, that there is a thread that is woven throughout these chapters. And the thread is this, that God is interested, God is interested in us seeking out wisdom from him and from one another. And this is what wise people do. Wise people seek advice. Wise people surround themselves with mentors. Wise people, they listen to others. Wise people are always learning and they're always growing. Wise people surround themselves with wiser people. And wise people, they ask questions like this. What's it like to be in relationship with me? A wise person is willing to ask that question and not just willing to ask that question, but they are very interested in what they're going to hear.
You see, when it comes to feedback, I think there are three kinds of people. When we ask a question like that, what's it like to be in relationship with me? There are three kinds of people that listen to the answer that comes back to us. Now, a lot of the wisdom that I'm about to share with you, I actually got from a wiser person, okay? One of the the wisest thinkers and leaders that I tend to listen to and read their writings when it comes to understanding people and understanding how people think and react to one another is a, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Henry Cloud. He's a fantastic writer, fantastic communicator, and much of what I'm about to share with you, I got from him. I just put some geniusm twists on it, okay? So there are three kinds of people when it comes to feedback. The first kind of person is the person whose eyes are wide open. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to open your eyes as wide as you can, Okay, open them up as wide as you can, and I want you to look to the person at your right or your left and really look at them, okay? Really let them stare into your eyeballs. Let them see just how wide you can open up your eyes. Good. The person, the person whose eyes are wide open, when feedback comes their way, when someone brings an honest light into their life, when someone reflects some truth about who they are, the the wise person opens up their eyes wider. They open up their eyes wider. Their pulse, it doesn't go up. Their palms don't get sweaty. They don't start looking for how to find a rebuttal or how to get defensive about the feedback that is coming their way. They actually, when feedback comes their way, the person whose eyes are wide open, the wise person, when feedback, good, honest, helpful feedback, when it comes their way, do you know what happens to their face? They actually start to smile. They start to smile. They actually look for a piece of paper and they start to take notes because they recognize that a gift is coming their way. And they realize that they are about to open up their heart to receive something that is going to help them grow. People whose eyes are wide open are wise people. The book of Proverbs refers to these people whose eyes are wide open as wise people. When they receive a piece of feedback, when someone says, hey, here's what it's like to be in relationship with you, they look for the honest light in what the other person is saying to them. In fact, they adjust themselves to even match that light. When the truth comes, they change. That's why the proverb that we just read a minute ago, it says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. People whose eyes are wide open, they listen to advice. They listen to advice. And when there is a problem, when there is a problem, they are even willing to look within to see if they are a part of the problem. They don't go blaming others. They don't get defensive. Their eyes are wide open and they are willing to receive because they know that the light of truth comes. They will respond to that light and it will only lead them to greater wisdom. 
when that happens. So when you confront the wise, when you confront someone whose eyes are wide open, usually what they will say to you is thank you. If you go to a wise person and you give them a good reflection of light, if you give them the gift of, hey, here's what it's like to be in relationship with you, a wise person usually says, thank you. And the people whose eyes are wide open are wise people. But these are not the only kinds of people. These are not the only kinds of people. So not only are there people whose eyes are wide open, but there are other people whose eyes are squinting. Their eyes are squinting. I want you to look to the people to your right and to your left, and I want you to squint your eyes a little bit. Just give them a good little squint. These people, these people whose eyes are squinting, the book of Proverbs and Mr. T refer to these people as the fool, okay? Amen. Thank you for that amen, Kurt. That is, that is true. The book, the book of Proverbs and Mr. T uh, refer to these people as a fool. Now, here's the thing about fools. Sometimes fools actually don't look very foolish. Sometimes fools can be very, very smart. In fact, they can often be some of the brightest people that you know. But the problem with fools is that when the light shows up in their life, when someone brings honest feedback, what happens is they try to dim the light. They squint their eyes at the light. They go looking for the fastest pair of sunglasses that they can put on. They even try to adjust the light. They minimize the light, they dim the light, and they even blame others for the light. Perhaps you know someone like this. Perhaps you're even sitting next to someone like this. I would not encourage you to squint at them right now. <laughs> Perhaps... Perhaps you are even like this. And when it comes to problems, when it comes to feedback, when someone brings an honest reflection, a loving reflection, your first reaction is that it's someone else's fault, that there's someone else to blame. And one of the biggest problems with someone who squints at the light is that they have a very hard time taking any ownership for ever being a part of the problem. They are a deflector. Everyone else is the problem. And squinters, squinters are not very good listeners. Squinters have a very hard time hearing from someone else. In fact, I have learned that squinters actually require a very different kind of communication. Because you learn that with squinters, you can't really talk to them. Talking with them doesn't tend to work. In fact, later on in the book of Proverbs, uh, it says that don't answer a fool according to their folly or you yourself will be just like them. You can't engage with a fool. You can't engage with someone that squints their eyes at the light by shining the light in on them. They don't respond to that. Instead, instead, what I have found is that perhaps you might want to say something like this. 
it seems as though when I bring you feedback, you are not very interested in it. Is that correct? They might not say anything. So what I want to do is I want to make sure to not continue to keep bringing you something, hoping for a different result each time I bring it. Because you and I, we both know that's the definition of insanity, right? So is there another way that I can bring you feedback? Because talking doesn't seem to help. So I'm wondering, is there something else that I can actually do to help you? Now, here's the hope. Here's the hope when it comes to fools. And there is great hope for fools, okay? There's great hope for those who squint at the light. And the reason that I know that is because some of the ways that we tend to squint at the light are ways that every one of us squint at the light. Every one of us at some point in our life has probably grabbed a pair of sunglasses when the light has come into our life. Every one of us, though, has the potential to change. It's why I love the mission of our church, that we're going to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. It communicates that we are capable of change. We are capable of being transformed. This past week, I literally gave thought to changing our mission statement to leading fools into a transforming relationship with Jesus. The problem is it just didn't have the same ring to it. But let's be honest, that's what we're doing. We are leading fools, of which I am sometimes the greatest, into a transforming relationship with Jesus. You see, we have all had a moment in our life where we have been foolish, haven't we? Where someone has brought the life, the light, and we have squinted our eyes, and we have chosen not to listen. And the gift and the blessing that people have been in my life when they have actually chosen to love me enough to tell me the truth and to shine a light into my life when I was being a fool. And I will confess, there are parts of me, very real parts of me, that do not like to hear feedback. I do not like to hear when someone has an honest reflection on what it's like to be in relationship with me unless it's 100% perfect. But over the years, I have found that feedback, loving, honest feedback is one of the greatest gifts that someone can give me. So now I go looking for it in my life. I go looking for it in safe relationships. And I love actually asking the question, hey, I want to know what's it like to be in a relationship with me? Really, I mean, what is it like to be married to me, Jarrett? What is it like, Elijah and Gigi, to be my children? What is it like, Soul City Church staff, to be led by me? What is it like, friend, to have me as a friend? It is a very important question because I know that in that question, it has packed inside of it the potential for me to be more and more transformed into the image of Jesus. Just a month ago, I was on the phone with somebody that is very important in my life, somebody that I deeply value my relationship with them. 
They're, they're incredibly important to me. And I could tell while we were talking on the phone that there was a distance between us. I could tell that there, there, was, there was this space that they were holding back, that they weren't all the way there in the phone call. And so I decided to take a risk and I, did, I decided to say, hey, is everything okay between us? I get this sense that um, th we're not okay, that, that, that there's something going on, and I just wanna, I wanna lean in and I wanna ask you, is everything okay between us? Because I really wanna know, like, what is it like to be in relationship with me? And I'm so grateful that this person in that moment, they took a risk and they chose to be courageous and they said, well, since you asked, I've actually been really disappointed in our relationship. I've been really disappointed in how we communicate. I've been really disappointed because I know that you tell me that I'm really important to you, but I'm having a hard time actually experiencing that. And I just wanna be honest with you, that what it's like to be in a relationship with you is that it really is only on your terms. And when the person was saying it to me, I had one of those moments where I was like, ouch, oh. And I had that stinging sensation. But it was the kind of stinging that I knew was a gift. The kind of stinging that I knew was if I was willing to work through it, that there would be a gift on the other side. And so I chose to lean into the conversation and I chose to ask some questions and I chose to not let defensiveness rise up inside of me, but to actually own it and to say, you know what, you're right. You're right. I see that is exactly how I have actually been in relationship with you and I'm really sorry. And I know that I do. I say to you that you are very important to me. But I have not communicated that with my actions. Will you forgive me? And in that moment, friends, I had the opportunity to move from a fool to becoming a wise person. To becoming a wise person. And fools, there is great hope for us. There is great hope for us. Because when truthful light comes in, and when we realize that the pain of staying the same eclipses the pain of changing, and we actually choose into wisdom, we start to grow. We start to transform. So there are people whose eyes are wide open. There are people whose eyes are squinty. And then there's a third kind of person. That third kind of person is someone whose eyes are shut. Their eyes are shut. Okay, I want you to shut your eyes right now. Shut them tight, shut them very tight so it is very dark. And now I want you to look at the person on your right and on your left. Do you see them? More importantly, do they see you? You see, many of us, many of us, we don't want to admit that there are people like this in the world, but there are people like this in the book of Proverbs they refer to the person whose eyes are wide open as the wise. They refer to the person as the eyes who are squinting as the fool. And they refer to the person whose eyes are shut as evil. That they are evil. 
In fact, in Proverbs 12, 20, it says that there is literally deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil. And there are just people who shut their eyes completely to the light. And when the light comes their way, what they do is they pack their bags and they leave. And with people like this, I have found over the years, I have found over the years that it is rarely good to try to keep shining the light in their direction because they are opposed to the light. They're actually allergic to the light. And you going and renting a huge spotlight and just shining it in their direction, that has never been a good strategy to dealing with people whose eyes are shut. They hate the light. In fact, they often try to make you pay for the light. They are often harsh and even hateful when you bring light for them to respond to. In fact, one of the, the best things to do for someone that has deceit in their heart is to not shine a light on them, but to instead pray for them. To pray for them. To love them with healthy limits. And to trust that God will find other ways to bring light to that person. You see, you choosing to be a hero and be a messenger from the Lord to a person whose eyes are shut most likely is just going to bring you more pain and potentially actually cause you to become foolish. It could cause you to become much more hurt. And people whose eyes are shut try to hurt people that bring the light. In fact, I bet you have actually interacted with people like this before. Perhaps there has even been a season in your life when your eyes were shut. When you were unwilling to receive the light. And I have had relationships like this in my life and I have had to learn how to put healthy limits around those people. And it is hard, it is sometimes hurtful, there are sometimes misunderstandings, but being in an ongoing relationship with someone whose eyes are shut can actually become very destructive to your soul. Now, you are not going to find one verse in this book that is going to give you an out from loving that person. We're called to love, but loving and shining light are two very different things. They are two very different things. So the Proverbs, they teach us that there's three kinds of people. There are people whose eyes are wide open, people whose eyes are squinting, and people whose eyes are shut. And I wonder, I wonder today, if you were to do a quick little analysis of yourself, how would the people in your life describe what it is like to be in relationship with you? How would the people that are closest to you describe what it is like to be in relationship with you when feedback comes your way? Do you keep your eyes wide open to them? Are you open to the wisdom that they bring? Do you squint when they bring feedback? Do you become defensive 
when someone has something to offer you? Or perhaps, are people even experiencing you as a person whose eyes are completely shut and perhaps you're even blind to the light? You know, if we were to actually ask you before you leave here today, if we had like little stations out in the lobby and we said, before you get out of here today, you are required to type in two email addresses of people that you're in relationship with. And we're going to send them a feedback form on you. And then we're going to get that feedback form back and we're going to read it. And we're going to see what they say and what they communicate as to what it's like to be in relationship with you. How do you think you would respond to the feedback that they offer in that form? Because when you think about it, you really only have two options, right? You could look at this form and you could be like, well, I reject that. I made a complete mistake. I put a crazy person's name down. I don't even like that person. I don't know why I wrote their name down. They are utterly crazy. They have no idea what it's like to be in a relationship with me. So you could reject it, right? You could just say, they are totally off. They have no idea who I am and what I'm really about. Or you could receive it. You could receive it. You could listen to it. You could choose to not become defensive. You could ask questions. You could choose to really receive what they have to say. You could choose to open up your eyes. In fact, that's what your homework is this week. You know, we've been reading through the book of Proverbs, so we want to take it another level this week. We want to ask you to actually sit across from two people that you are in a healthy relationship with. They know you, they love you, they care about you, they are a wise person. We want to encourage you to sit across from them and ask this question, What's it like to be in relationship with me? What's it like to be my friend? What's it like to be my roommate? What's it like to be my spouse? What's it like to be my child? What's it like to be my coworker? And to actually ask the question and then to receive. To receive the gift that they have for you. And friends, I believe that one of the greatest challenges facing us as a church is the temptation that we are going to face as a church to just sort of slide into a state with one another where we don't ask these kinds of questions. Where we just enjoy one another, we're just nice with one another, we have a good time with one another. We just slide into this comfortable place where we don't quite tell all of the truth. And instead of reflecting light to one another, we just learn to tolerate one another. We just learn to accommodate one another. And I so long for us as a church, I so long for us as a church to not be those kinds of people. Because those kinds of people, they squint when the light comes or they keep their eyes shut when the light comes. I long for us to be the kinds of people whose eyes are wide open and we give one another the gift of honest, loving feedback where we ask the question, what's it really like to be in a relationship with me? And in a moment, 
we're going to come to the communion table. And communion is a great place. It's a great place with great hope for fools. Because it's a place where we can come and we can know that Jesus has always had his eyes wide open when it comes to us. And so the question for you tonight is, are you willing to come to the table the same way? Are you willing to come to the table with your eyes wide open and instead of stumbling to the table because you're squinting or instead of stumbling to the table because your eyes are shut, will you open them wide? Will you let the loving and convicting presence of the Holy Spirit bring any area of your life up to the surface where you have perhaps been squinting or had your eyes shut? any area in your life where perhaps you've been living in the darkness and you need to come into the light, will you confess where perhaps you have been a fool? A place where perhaps you have even had your eyes shut. And will you come to the table tonight with your eyes wide open? And so in a moment, we're gonna invite you to come. Of course, always to my right, we have gluten-free bread. We don't want anyone to not experience the incredible saving grace and forgiveness and love of Jesus who receives us and welcomes us with eyes wide open. So I want to pray for us. We're going to come to the communion table and then we're going to worship together. Jesus, thank you that you have always had your eyes wide open that you have always received us just as we are. And thank you that you have always called us into the light. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you forgive us. Thank you that you are the model of wisdom. And God, we confess that there are areas of our life where we are fools. There are areas of our life, God, where we even tend to shut our eyes completely. So would you bring us into the light tonight? Would you expose us and remind us that it's in relationship with you that we are set free? We love you. And we are so grateful for you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.